Welcome to Rast Talk, a podcast on recirculating aquaculture and sustainable food production. Brought to you by Rastec, the premier publication for Rast professionals and Ontario Creates. And welcome to a bonus episode of RAS Talk. I'm your host, Marilyn De Guzman. Brian Vinci will be back with us next episode. I recently attended the Aquaculture America Conference in Honolulu, and I sat down with Kimberly Player, Director of Research at Equilibrium Capital. I talked to Kimberly about investors' perspectives on RAS and where the opportunities are when it comes to raising capital for RAS projects. So, Kimberly, if you could, could you just give me a little bit of background about yourself and how you got into this industry? Okay. Um, well, I work for a company called Equilibrium, Portland-based firm. Uh, it's an investment management firm. We also have offices in San Francisco and London. And the, the basic principle of Equilibrium is that we invest institutional capital in sustainability-driven real assets. So um, this company has a history of invent- investing in agriculture, traditional agriculture, in water, energy, and waste infrastructure, and also most recently in controlled environment food production. And as part of that controlled environment food production fund, which has to date really focused on large-scale, high-tech, horizontal greenhouses, um, we have been asking whether aquaculture would be appropriate to include. It would also allow us to capitalize on our water and waste management expertise. So um, I will be the first to admit my background is not in, in aquaculture. I actually come out of the, the real estate industry uh, doing land use planning type work. Uh, I found Equilibrium three years ago and wanted to broaden my horizon beyond just your stereotypical real estate. I found their sustainability um, passion and, and sort of underlying thesis really appealing. And as the director of research with this firm, I'm the one on the front lines getting asked, well, what should we invest in next? How big is the market? Are the fundamentals solid? Um, and not only can we make money in it, and that is important. Our, as I said, our investors are institutional, so it's public-private pension funds and sovereign wealth funds mainly. But does it align with our sustainability values? So um, when I started looking at aquaculture, you know, it was intriguing because there's, of course, all different forms of aquaculture out there. And I really honed in on a couple, uh, recirculating aquaculture systems in particular, and uh, feed is kind of a secondary one. But they really got, uh, you know, the team I work with excited about the synergies with our existing work and the opportunity to potentially provide capital to... Uh, help move a very interesting emerging segment within aquaculture forward. So what are some insights and discoveries you've made into this industry uh, that sort of made it more appealing? Well, as I said, the, the underlying market fundamentals are really strong. Uh, when I looked at demand, um, you have uh, resource constraints, environmental constraints. You know, we're, uh, we're struggling with uh, how we're treating our oceans right now. You have changing demographics in the form of rapidly growing middle-class populations in places like China and India. And you have changing consumer preferences. So people are all of a sudden, well, perhaps not all of a sudden, but more recently seem to be more conscious of eating um, healthier food. And on the supply side, that actually, that surprised me. It seemed like a no-brainer domestically in the United States. Um, As I'm sure your audience knows, we're importing, you know, 
well in excess of 90% of our seafood. Um, it's something like $21 billion in imports. And you would think there would be more of a focus on, on domestic production. Um, so that supply side uh, also showed some really strong fundamentals. I think there's a real need there. Uh, I think there's a potential for Americans to increase their consumption of seafood. So all of that was, was really appealing. Um, just from a very basic standpoint. What we like to invest in are fragmented industries that are starting to get ready to scale. What we are not is venture capital investors. We are not early stage seed capital. And uh, as much as it might be fun to you sometimes, we're never going to be on the bleeding edge of, of anything. Um, to use our greenhouse fund as an example, we were looking to technologies that were proven in the Netherlands you know, for decades that had been operating there. It just happened to be a very fragmented market still in the United States. So we were able to capitalize that and help consolidate it and grow it. So the feeling is that aquaculture, RAS systems in particular, are kind of at that same inflection point that that we saw in greenhouses, um, you know, five or six years ago, where they are not yet at commercial scale, but we're seeing proof of concepts. We are seeing the uh, technology get better and the cost of that technology come down. So I think that the potential to scale is there, and that is very important for our investments. uh, from a returns perspective, we obviously need it to hit our target returns. Uh, that's important. And because we're investing fairly large-scale capital, uh, to give you an idea, our greenhouse fund, our first greenhouse fund, was $350 million, which we invested. And we're looking for a target of about 500 to $750 million in the second fund. So we're talking fairly significant-sized investments. Uh, so the RAS projects, you know, um, a what, 2,500 metric ton to 5,000 metric ton project in that sort of 60, 70, 80 million dollar range actually does fit very well within the sweet spot for our investment size. And finally, the sustainability attributes of it. I think that sustainability is mainstreaming in the investor world. Um, it is absolutely happening in Europe. They are, they are leading the way, but it is happening everywhere. And we have investors asking us how our investments and our assets align with things like the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And it used to be that everyone was saying, oh gosh, you know, the wild caught fish, that is a more sustainable way to go. But now, you know, everyone from the UN uh, Food and Agriculture uh, Organization to NOAA is saying, well, no, actually, in terms of conserving our natural resources in the ocean, in terms of freshness, in terms of food safety and traceability, uh, there actually is a lot of potential for aquaculture. So I think it's, it's the alignment with both our sustainability values as well as our financial sort of target uh, returns just as well as those really strong market fundamentals and the fact that it is at that scaling inflection point. So the, the potential is there, right? And, um, mm-hmm. and we've been reading a lot about the great potential, but there's also the reality check sometimes yes. that's been happening. And historically, we've seen um, some projects have failed and some have succeeded. And a lot of the projects that are a lot of the projects that are ongoing that are now in operation are more more in the smaller scale like yes 500 ton 200 ton scale is a bit of a dilemma for uh, I think not just equilibrium but for uh, a large part of the investor world right now um, 
it, it is true that most uh, pr most projects have failed to date of uh, the the ones that are trying to do full grow out on land and the ones that do exist and I've been and seen some of them in Europe but they are small and they're running generally below uh, planned capacity so uh, to go from and you know most industries grow incrementally this industry is is I think trying to do something a little unique in that the next projects we're talking about coming on are all of a sudden 5,000, 10,000, 90,000 metric tons, and that is an enormous leap. So um, I, I do have a lot of faith in the proof of concepts. It, it, it is something certainly that uh, an investor like ourselves want to see at a small scale already operating. Um, but what, the biggest risk, I think, is that this just has never been done at, at the scale. You know, other risks, um, and this has come up, I think, uh, in your last two podcasts, but a lack of skilled expertise. Uh, it's a problem we have with our greenhouse growers, but I think it's even more pronounced in the aquaculture industry. To go out to find someone who has managed a RAS operation, there's just not a lot of them. Uh, and frankly, even finding someone who maybe has done a partial RAS type of work environment and who really understands, you know, the engineers are plentiful, but to the point I think Eric raised in your first podcast, people who really know how to raise fish um, because the fish biology is another big risk. We as Equilibrium are fairly comfortable that the water technology works, um, but uh, you know, actually raising the fish adds a whole other element of risk. Um, other risks that are high on our list, hitting our cost curve targets. Uh, we recognize that the upfront capital expenditures required for these projects are significant and that the payback periods can be long. You know, uh, we're growing um, leafy greens in Minnesota. Uh, we lose a crop and it's not good, but it also doesn't take that long to replace. Uh, you lose your crop of salmon and of course that can be devastating. Um, financing can still be challenging. I think that there are, are banks out there that are not yet entirely comfortable with an uh, unproven concept. And finally, something that is sort of missing in this industry more generally are long-term offtake contracts, which is something in some of our other investments. For example, where we are creating renewable natural gas, we are used to signing you know, a 10-year contract at a fixed price, and that's just not something that happens in this industry. So you lose that kind of um, uh, element of security a, a little bit. Um, Oh, uh, another one that um, I think folks like Eric and Nordic Aqua Farms are, are very aware of now and very sensitive to is the uh, regulatory issues and the need for stakeholder buy-in. Uh, I think that uh, any projects that Equilibrium would look at, we would most certainly want to see that there's been a process, that there's a clear process to permits. Right. Um, we're unlikely to take on permitting risk, and it is. It's I think it's really important, and he highlighted that. And um, I mean, I mentioned feed as a potential actual investment and opportunity in aquaculture, but I think for anyone in this sector, uh, it's it's a risk just in terms of price volatility and availability. Right. So let's break that down. I guess there's, there's um, the value chain, uh, uh, investing in the value chain as well. Mm -hmm. um, so where are the opportunities there? Um, and so it's not just the fish producers. It is not. No, uh, and that's, that's an interesting question because we see opportunities all along the value chain, not necessarily for equilibrium, but certainly we see investor interest all along the value chain. Um, you know, 
and that extends to processors, it extends to branding. I think historically we've seen actually more investor interest in inputs, uh, mostly from venture capital firms than we have in production. So the pharmaceuticals, the the feed, the equipment, uh, in some ways those have been kind of easier to predictably model and finance. and and certainly down the value chain investing in whether it's sort of the distribution or um, you know whether or not some of these companies will get into branding is is a big question as well so opportunities all along i i think though that uh ras is still early stage but it's showing a lot of promise and you know as they offer proven technologies and that scale that you're going to see more investor interest focused on that p- production Phase. An organization who's looking to raise capital for a project, whether it's within the value chain or as a as a producer of uh, aquaculture uh, species, uh, in terms of some uh, recommendations on how they can um, ideally uh, raise the capital and secure that funding. Well, as I said, we, we would look for them to mitigate as many of the risks as I outlined as, as possible. And I think, you know, key, I can't stress enough the importance of a skilled team and a proof of concept or, or pilot project that is already functioning. And again, I, I do want to caveat, I'm talking specifically about uh, Equilibrium's investment philosophy here. There are going to be earlier stage uh, investors out there that have more of an appetite for the risk. But, uh, you know, certainly we would want uh, as many risks mitigated as possible. We like people with a long-term view. Uh, it aligns better with our sustainability goals. This is not, you know, an office building that we're planning to flip in in a couple years. So people who are in it for the long haul, who, you know, are planning at least a, a 10 years of operation of this project. Our funds have 10-year lives. So uh, we like that just both from a logistical but also sustainability perspective. It would be great if people had a, a sort of portfolio of projects in their pipelines. It's it's always nice to find a partner that you feel comfortable with. It's it's hard to work out the the kinks of that first um, you know project you do together. But ideally, uh, you know, we would like to become a programmatic source of capital. And I think that other investors sort of share that view, where uh, operators, uh, producers can offer. Uh, that scale in the form of, of different projects with replicable technologies, uh, it's just going to get easier to do every time. And finally, I just think it's really important. I think a lot of people get caught up in sort of the high techness of, uh, of all of this, and it's really exciting, all the innovation. But in the end, you are farming a fish. And we try not to lose sight of this in our greenhouses as well. Um, I, I would love to think that we're growing a kind of holier-than-thou tomato that is local and more sustainably sourced and more free of pesticides. And, and a lot of people are believers in getting a significant price premium for that. And I'm not saying that a price premium is not going to be possible for RAS operators to achieve. Uh, however, I am leery where the assumptions around a price premium are significant because in the end it's just a fish and particularly if this industry goes to scale uh, it is just a fish so I think you need to have realistic expectations that you're you're farming and you're farming a commodity I'm talking about scaling so is it easier than for there's some RAS operators that began so uh, has already the proof of concept although Mm -hmm. on a smaller scale so I was just in in our second uh, Rastalk episode. We uh, we were talking to um, Kirk 
Havercroft, the CEO of Sustainable Blue, and he was talking about the sort of the, they're going into the next phase of their um, uh, scale, scaling their uh, operation, and they seem to have they've had some successes, and now they're growing. And I, as well as I believe Ideal Fish yes. um, is, is doing the same thing. So is it um, easier for them than is for these organizations that have already a proven track record only on a smaller scale to get to that second level? I think it is, yes, because I think people will be looking to see if they actually have a track record, if they actually have run one of these operations, and if the technology that they're actually using has been proven to work. Now, I I can say that I have talked to um, a number of, of very inspirational people who have plans to kind of start from scratch and to leap in with 5,000 metric ton projects. Um, And I I wish them all the very best. And if we get comfortable with the team and with the fact that maybe the technology not under their team but is operating uh, successfully elsewhere in the world, then those could be potential investments. But I think that what, say, Ideal Fish has gone through in terms of just lessons learned, uh, you know, the mistakes they've made and now they know how to fix them. Um, I, I think that those companies will have an edge. Well, if um, I know a lot of our listeners right now are really interested in to know more about investments and raising capital. So if they want to get in touch with you, Kimberly, how do they do that? Um, well, I can be reached at uh, player, P-L-A-Y-E-R, like a baseball player, at eq-cap.com. And Equilibrium's website is www.eq-cap.com. Equilibrium Capital. Um, I would be happy to talk to anyone out there more about uh, proposed projects, at, uh, you know, what, what investors might be looking for, and uh, also happy to keep learning about an industry that I think is really poised for some exciting growth. And you're going to be at our RASTEC conference and our investor workshop, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yes, very much looking forward to that. The timing is perfect. Uh, I think you are, you know, go back three, four years, you wouldn't have found a lot of investors who even had RAS on their Uh, radar. This is the year, I think, when people are getting excited about it, when it is starting to be proven. And so the timing of your investor workshop is ideal. I look forward to it. Well, that concludes our episode today. But before we go, I'd like to remind everyone about our upcoming RASTEC 2020 conference and trade show happening on November 16th and 17th at the Weston Hilton Head Resort in South Carolina. You can find more information at www.ras-tech.com. That's ras-tec.com. And also, for the latest news and updates around the world on recirculating aquaculture systems, check out our website at www.rastechmagazine.com. Tune in next time for another engaging episode of Rastalk.